Welcome to the CMR Podcast. I'm Michelle O'Connor, President and CEO of CMR Institute. CMR is a not-for-profit educational organization providing training to the life sciences industry that enhances healthcare and empowers today's sales professionals. We've created a podcast series to help you develop a new customer approach for the market you serve. In this episode, we discuss IDN and GPO collaborative models with Bob Duvall, Director of the Healthcare Innovators Collaborative at Premier, and Alistair Barrow, CMR's value-based selling expert. We had hoped to talk about three things today. One is just a level set around the healthcare reform movement. Second is um, share how Premier is working with our health system network to move towards value-based care models in response to healthcare reform, and then we'll land on a case example at the end. So many of you may have seen this slide in the past, but the we think the crux of healthcare reform really is based around payment reform. CMS is leading the charge, um, but what we're finding is that a very large block of employers, self-insured employers, are moving in the same direction. They want to move away from a fee-for-service payment or reimbursement framework where providers got paid for activity that really wasn't linked to outcome um, and move it more towards value-based payment where there's shared accountability between the payer and provider around the total cost of care, quality of care, consumer experience within populations. Uh, Medicare Access and Ship Reauthorization was passed in 2015. It's fundamental legislation that is allowing for this shift away from fee-for-service to value-based reimbursement. This is a really busy slide, but there's a very simple message. If you look to the left, there's two tracks. Track one is a very traditional fee-for-service schedule, um, but CMS has moved to those blue bars you'll see is uh, referred to as the merit-based incentive program system. They condensed a lot of the um, either incentive programs or penalty programs into this single merit incentive payment system program. Uh, measurement began in 2017 and pay- payment will begin this coming year around that. If physicians opt to stay in track one, uh, if they bill for Medicare, then they're automatically enrolled in this NIPS program. Um, now, the design feature of this was to be so onerous that physicians would want to voluntarily move into Track 2. Track 2 is characterized by two-sided risk care delivery model, and that's the, the basic premise. The intent here is to move physicians out of that fee-for-service Track 1 and eventually move them into Track 2, which is moving towards capitated models. So the next slide is going to talk a little bit more, provide more detail on track two. There are a number of models that qualify for that track two. We like to lump them in three buckets. So one of them is accountable care organizations. You'll see to the right that there's a number of type of accountable care organizations. Um, Bundled payments is the second bundle. It's the same uh, example where there's a number of different types of bundled payments that are in the marketplace. And the third um, our primary care models. Uh, what's not listed on here is another model that Premier has also deployed. Um, it's not listed because it's, it's not a, a CMS model. Um, there's a Federal Trade Commission model called the Clinically Integrated Network. It allows physicians to um, set up contracts that can share risk um, and uh, reimbursement across um, disparate networks. So we're also working with the Clinically Integrated Network 
Um, we think the future is going to be the clinically integrated network embedded within that could be in certain markets, ACOs when it's relevant, bundled payment around um, high-cost service lines, and then primary care will be, uh, models will be embedded throughout that, that clinically integrated network. So, um, so there's a lot of buzz about the different types of models, but big picture, um, everything that you see on slide four, the common link here is that there's a two-sided risk component. There's an upside and a downside risk component from a payment standpoint. Now, with each of these models, there's also a very common chassis in terms of how the performance assessment is organized. And so you'll see this in a report card fashion. Um, it begins with that resource use. And it, it's, again, it's about reducing the annual per capita cost per beneficiary. That's going to be the, the starting point for any of the models you saw in the prior slide. And then CMS has set up a framework uh, for how to reduce that cost. And it's going to be through very traditional uh, areas that we're all comfortable with. It's around improving clinical quality and safety. It's around consumer satisfaction that we think as time moves forward, engagement and activation are going to be as important as satisfaction. Third category is around promoting interoperability. So it's, it's managing data uh, in the EHR, but also across um, clinically integrated networks. It's going to be that flow of data and workflow. And then finally, there's a fourth category where providers get credit for doing clinical practice improvement activities. So, um, so that's the basic framework. CMS has set this up through MACRA. What we're finding with the commercial payers is that the majority of the commercial payers are moving in the same uh, away from fee-for-service, moving towards value-based payment. And um, even though the vernacular may not be consistent with CMS, this concept on slide five seems to be consistent with our, our commercial payers that they're going to follow this type of a framework as well. So that, that's the overview of the marketplace and where we, we think everything is moving towards that last slide five. We think it's fundamental for everybody online. It's fundamental for our payer community, for our uh, provider community, and also our pharmacy community. It's, it's an area, a common area, where we can all come together and align and work together. So this next section I want to share with you briefly is um, how Premier has been engaging our health systems in this conversation. We do it through a collaborative model, and we've been using this model for over a decade. Um, and so it, it's not something we just started to do, do in the last year or two. It's, it's happened over time. Um, with that, we tend to build roadmaps. Uh, it began with hospital quality and safety 10 years ago. Seven years ago, we started to work with our health systems on deploying these value-based care models. And so what I want to show you next is the, the high-level roadmap we use when we engage our health systems. There's a lot of complex work in this space. You're going to find quickly that you're in many of these work areas. Um, and we are relying on industry to be able to align this work and start to begin um, working with payer and provider in these value-based care models. So we'll start to call that out when we share this roadmap. There's really six main things we work across in the roadmap. We start from left to right around organizational strategy and physician engagement. And as we go into a system, we will do a, a market scan of their marketplace. Um, not everybody needs to be in an ACO. So we're going to look at the marketplace to see what the best models will, uh, will be for a particular geographical area. Second, we'll start to do an internal scan of the health system. We're looking for their core competencies and capabilities. Um, we're identifying gaps in terms of those um, the 
organizational and operational requirements to deploy these models. And then we also work with leadership. So those tend to be the three main areas we work on in terms of the organizational strategy. Um, second box from the left is around physician engagement. We do have a, a legal team that works with our health systems, and we consult with them on different physician alignment strategies. So these are predominantly different types of models and then the contractual arrangement uh, that physicians would engage in to participate in these different models. So I'm not going to share a lot more detail in those first two boxes. It's, it's a lot of the heavy lifting that we do with our systems on the front end. I don't know that there's a, a lot of overlap with our manufacturing community in that space. But it's the next four boxes that I want to spend a couple of minutes and really share more detail. I do believe that there's overlap um, with your organizations in this. It's going to be around the population analytics, space contracting, care management, as well as execution of these models. So as we think about population analytics, all our health systems have purchased their electronic health records. So they've converted a lot of data into um, digital records. They don't have the, the analytics and the artificial intelligence necessary in those EHRs to manage large populations. So we do work with our, our members around the analytics piece. Um, the areas that we continue to work on is risk assessment um, across broad populations, as well as segmentation of populations. Um, we are, as part of the analytics, we're also building out a report carding and benchmarking system for our health systems. So we use that, that report carding and benchmarking system, particularly in our collaborative as systems move into models, we can report card their individual performance, but we're comparing them against other health systems in the collaborative, and that's an accelerator. You'll see the four bullets below that report card in the lower left corner. Those are the same performance measures that, um, that I referenced um, under MACRA. So again, that's that common framework we can all embrace and really start to work together to improve those performance measures. Um, so the next area of work is in the middle of the slide, which is, is starting to, to um, move beyond just the data and the analytics, but to build out that artificial intelligence. It's really the, the clinical decision support in real time. And so um, Premier just made an announcement, I think it was two weeks ago, where we purchased Stanson Health, which is a clinical decision support platform. These are the types of tools that we're going to get into a suite at the provider level and really help with decision making. Particularly with that type of a resource, we're looking for um, evidence-based, appropriate utilization of resources. Um, it's trying to eliminate the waste and error uh, that occurs in, in general practice. You'll see also that we listed the consumer under that decision support area. Um, the market is going to move much more to a consumerist marketplace. So the data that we're managing will also extend out to the consumer. It could be through the, the patient portal of the EHR. Um, or through other things that you see here, call centers, telehealth, um, voice have act activated response systems. But, but we expect that data will reach out to the consumer so that they can be a, you know, a, a better um, a individual to organize that and manage the health of their family unit. And then finally, we think research is a big part of the population analytics piece as well. Much of what we're doing is developmental. So we, we do work with our health systems and the manufacturing community, whether it's retrospective, concurrent, or prospective research to, uh, to help kind of figure out the, the data analytics piece and that decision support piece. So there's a lot of work here in this space. And again, I think everybody online recognizes that. You're probably actively involved in this as well. 
And we see this work that, that's going to continue well into the next decade. So I think there's opportunities for collaboration between pair provider and, and industry in this in this first phase. Next around the risk contracting, um, the you know I'm looking at this from left to right from that payer provider standpoint. So there's a number of incentives that intentionally built into the reimbursement system, particularly at the acute care level. So it's value-based purchasing never events, um, penalties around readmission rates. Um, the market has evolved then into capitated type models. So these are the two-sided risk models that we talked about earlier, ACOs, bundled payments, primary care models. And so our systems are moving in that direction. And then third, um, I do like to include the insurance exchanges in this space as well. Um, it, 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 in some ways, it does uh, impact or um, feed into the risk-based contracting piece. Number one, in the state insurance exchanges, uh, people are competing through, um, you know, through that exchange uh, with a focus around narrow networks, or Premier is talking about uh, more so high-value provider networks. But you're really starting to, to promote um, narrow networks that are going to deliver on cost, quality, consumer experience. But I like to call out the insurance exchanges in this area as well because this is where there is some risk sharing at the consumer level. Um, we've seen this over the last couple of years where there's more accountability at the consumer level through these state insurance exchanges. It could be through higher premiums. It could be through deductibles or health savings account plans. And so we'll see these insurance exchanges stay in the market. We think they will evolve over time, but it will be part of that, that risk-sharing concept. Um, what's not listed here is the risk-sharing that can extend out to the manufacturing community. Premier is working on this on our GPO side, and it's being transparent on my end. We're doing it in a, um, a pilot fashion. So we're, we're trying to sh figure out ways that we can efficiently align our manufacturing community with the payer and provider and appropriately share risk around population health management. So that's, that will be part of this as well. And again, I think there's a connection here for members on the phone today. The next category is care management. And again, we block this in two areas. One are, are larger care delivery models. And again, I, I won't walk through that. We've talked about a number of those models already. But within each of those models, then there will be care management strategies. And it will be focused on um, either specific populations, um, typically high cost. So, for example, it could be a cardiometabolic population. And as we think about that, Premier is going to begin working with our health systems to really ratchet down utilization management. But the focus is on evidence-based practice and appropriate utilization of resources. That's where we think clinical decision support will come in and help. Um, also, part of that care management strategy will be primary care-led. It could be a primary care team. It may not be just a primary care physician, but it may be an extended team. And they're there to be the primary navigator with that, um, that consumer. If consumers have complex disease, um, they'll have a high-end or a high-touch care management service that will be connected with it. Over time, and we believe this will happen through clinically integrated networks, we are going to see better connectivity across care setting. So that connectivity includes communication, coordination, data flow, and workflow. Um, and then part of that care management strategy, too, is going to be around the consumer engagement piece. And it's about having the consumer in a shared decision-making um, environment, working on care plans, and really activating that consumer around management. 
as all that is going on in the care management space, again, uh, there will be constant measurement, report guarding, and benchmarking. So there's going to be this ongoing real-time uh, performance assessment improvement in the care management area. So again, there are a number of touch points where industry already is working in this space. So I think the opportunity here is working on alignment, efficiency, and effectiveness uh, between all parties, between manufacturer, payer, and provider. And finally, the last piece is around education, or I'm sorry, execution. And the big areas that Premier is working with our health systems today, it's around that education piece. And it's very traditional things. It's webinar, web-based education, white papers. Um, but probably more fundamental for our Premier network is that we use formal collaborative models to, uh, to, to not just educate, but it's really to um, come together, learn together, and ideate together. The, the value of the collaborative is that um, not any one organization has to figure out these you know, complicated issues in the marketplace. We leverage the group intelligence. Um, the, the value of this is if we have enough smart people at the table, we'll be able to, um, to figure out tough problems and learn together. Um, we do have a, a team of consultants that will then contract and go into our health systems individually and do more detailed work um, on an on-site basis. And again, we think research is a big part of this execution piece as well. Um, I, I, I look to industry as a, a group that can really help in this, in this space. Industry is great at setting national strategies, deploying national strategies, executing national strategies, and getting results from national strategies. You've done that around your brand. What we're, we're encouraging industry to think about is to expand your brand strategy to begin including some of these population health management concepts and work strategically with your parent provider. So we think in that execution space, actually, industry can help quite a bit around efficient ex execution. So that's really the roadmap. I wanted to give you a picture of that first. Um, we thought to end this then on a really brief case study to start to think about how you can think across your commercial operations, whether it's product development, marketing, pricing and contracting, national accounts. Um, you can start to think about how you can incrementally begin to move with payer and provider to these value-based care models. So this next visual is around heart failure. You can plug in any disease area or patient population that is near and dear to your organization. We just wanted to pick one as an example. You'll see in the process care map that our payer and providers are going to start to think much more around the end-to-end -end care for larger populations. So you're going to see it's from prevention all the way to end-of-life care. There's a lot of work that happens in between that, and that's where we see the complexity. So our encouragement with the manufacturing community is, one, see this care process. Number two, figure out where today you, you live and work across that care continuum. And, um, and don't go beyond your core areas of expertise, but focus in on those areas that, um, that you live today and start to challenge your organization about the value you bring in that space. In the people service world, it was around your, your product, your price, and your safety profile. In a population world, you can take that brand strategy and expand it. What we've put in the bottom of this slide in those swing lanes are the macro performance domains. And so what I did is I went through and um, all the performance measures you see here are listed under the, um, the quality payment program with CMS. This is a macro um, program. 
so all we did is, is inventoried all the performance um, measures in these different domains. So it's a visual for your organization to say, okay, I live in one of these boxes at the top, and now I'm going to look down to see what those performance measures um, are for the payer and provider. And that will at least give you a, a loose framework to start to figure out what is it that we have off the shelf that can align well in this space that you could package together, ideally in a practice improvement framework, and start to bring that to health systems moving into value-based care models. So it's, it's a simple exercise you can start to do today. It's a chance to inventory all your resources. It's your people, your processes, your technology, any wraparounds you have around your technology, and now you're in data creation and data management. We're interested in that piece as well. It gives you a chance to look at all of that and figure out um, you know, how you can better manage that in a care delivery model. So let me stop there. Um, Alistair, do you have additional insights you can share on this slide? I do. Um, so, so the folks on the phone, from a vendor perspective, it's always been difficult for us to figure out where do we plug ourselves in because there really has been no yellow brick road to date uh, to help us decide what we should do to approach the value-based market. Um, and this really starts to provide a roadmap for us. So from the perspective of the uh, metrics at the bottom, uh, as Bob mentioned before, um, very carefully, um, if you look at uh, the boxes up top and you figure out where you can plug yourself in uh, based on your products and services, then it's about really getting all of our resources together in terms of the people, uh, the processes, uh, the products, uh, and any of the value adds to, to think about quality, uh, consumer experience, cost efficiency, uh, practice improvement, and interoperability. So when you're going through that list, really think in terms of what do I do to touch those particular pieces? So from a quality perspective, what PQRS or physician quality rating system measures are is my particular target facility looking at? What population health management strategies are they thinking about? And where do I find myself in that particular process? From a consumer satisfaction standpoint, uh, I don't know how many vendors have actually asked to actually see a survey but knowing what uh, kind of questions are coming out in that survey from my particular uh, service line uh, will help me understand uh, where I need to, uh, you know, provide some energy around in terms of my people and my products and, and resources um, uh, to help the, the hospitals hit those particular measures. What consumer engagement are they going after and where can I help with that uh, from a marketing perspective and, um, and from a resources perspective? Promoting interoperability, which EHR performance measures are they looking at uh, at this point in time? And especially during the integration process of maybe Epic or Cerner, uh, can my product or service be plugged into uh, that particular uh, 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 integration so that uh, for every patient that comes through that's using my product, there's a checkbox inside of that particular uh, EHR. Uh, from a clinical practice and improvement, um, in terms of efficiency of use and standardization, uh, recommended care pathways, uh, how do I help with that? Uh, because, you know, in terms of what we've done over the years on the vendor side, we probably do that better than anyone. The problem is that it's, it's all over the place in, in terms of where we keep and house uh, our particular resources for that, and it's important that we strategize and pull those pieces together so that we can um, figure out how to provide it for our, our target audience. It's important to note um, that what we're doing today is um, it's not wrong. Um, it's just incomplete. Um, and there are a couple of other pieces that need to be added onto it. Um, so, Bob, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you. So, the, this visual that I want to share with you is what Premier is trying to do on a much more macro level 
um, and it's, it's in individual communities. So we work with a, a lot of large market stakeholders in this healthcare space. Obviously, we've got a network of health systems that, um, that have a stake ownership in Premier. We've got a transactional relationship with that manufacturing community um, that we're now trying to embrace much more strategically as we move to value-based care. Um, we've got payer relationships, whether they be with commercial payers or if they are payers embedded with in our health systems, our integrated delivery networks. And then that fourth bucket you see there, we're starting to reach out to community assets as well, particularly national pharmacy chains. We're working more intimately at this point with Walgreens and um, Kroger in the pharmacy space. So, um, so what Premier will be able to do as a large organization is as we start to look at that care process um, it, it, in the prior slide, we can look to see where all the manufacturers line up. So for each of your respective organizations, there's going to be another company on the left or right side of you on that care process doing really good work. Premier wants to, to line all that up and start to organize it. We can also lay layer on that, the, the, the payer engagement piece, and then also community partners um, that could be part of that, that entire care continuum. So this is going to be work in front of us over the next five to 10 years. It's formative work. And so, um, again, we do this in a collaborative model um, where we're looking at that long-range planning and trying to incrementally make advancements as we move forward. This last slide I want to share with you is um, what we think that good can look like as you bring population management strategies to, to a GPO. And so um, if you move left or right um, as you do this, think about the type of problem you're, you're solving for in the marketplace. And it, it has to be a big enough problem, right, that it could affect that, that per capita cost um, or you know, any other performance measures you saw in that macro framework. Second, as you bring your solution, uh, just organize the science behind it and show us that it's evidence-based and uh, is appropriate care. Third, we're having this conversation more and more around data creation and data management. So we're, we're actually engaging early on with our manufacturing community about what that looks like. Um, those three things then can inform a value-based contract. And again, we're experimenting today, but we're, we are starting to experiment, bringing the manufacturer in with the payer and provider around shared risk. Once we've completed those things in pilot fashion, we're actually now working with you to co-create a communication and an execution strategy to, to take your, your, your product and your service out into the marketplace. And again, we're starting to do that kind of work in pilot fashion as well. So I hope this is a, a, at least a re reasonable roadmap for you to think about um, you know, over the next 18, 24 months. This is where Premier is going to be at. Guys, uh, just in closing, there's been there's more responsibilities being put on the provider and the patient today, uh, which is causing a lot of headaches for us on the vendor side of the business, uh, both in decreased reimbursement for the provider and out-of-pocket expenses uh, for the patient. Um, so it's important as we put our plan together and our approach for the marketplace that we think about what all of them have in common, no matter which one of our targets happen to be, whether an ACO, whether they're um, performing in some sort of bundle payment process uh, or alternative payment um, plan, they all have, uh, have some characteristics that are in line with each other. One, they're focused on chronic disease management. So as you think about your products and services, how does affinity renal disease, cardiovascular disease, oncology, 
joint repair and management of the, uh, the whole degenerative process. Uh, coordination of care, number two, is um, in focus today as well. So it's important to include not just your target physician and staff, but also the folks that, um, that provide um, uh, services for those uh, particular folks or uh, give referrals to those particular areas. It's important to involve them because some of them may be involved in the decision-making process in your products and services. And three, it's important to focus on what the provider is focused on. So if they're focused on bundled payments or if they're focused on some sort of alternative payment model, it's really important to have a, a, a really good health economics and outcomes reimbursement strategy so that you can understand how you impact that particular uh, bundle payment. Um, CMR is a company that is focused on helping companies um, find ways uh, to shift the way that they think about uh, their value proposition and their go-to-market strategy so that they speak directly to the audience that's in front of them. Uh, so what they do by building value propositions uh, in live workshop, uh, getting inside the C-suite and getting a seat at the table, uh, understanding how to build out a strong go-to-market strategy, and, and then strategies for effective risk contracting, which is becoming uh, more and more popular as time goes on. Uh, so what I, would, I would encourage you guys to take a look and, and not um, try to create all of this stuff in a vacuum. And finally, at the end of the day, um, I just want to show you just a, a quick example of what uh, a value proposition uh, looks like. Uh, but it needs to consider all of these pieces. And you need to ask yourself, does my value proposition include a time frame and how long it takes to implement? Key target users and maybe some of those referral uh, folks as well that are involved in the process. What's my next best alternative? What's the best option for these folks? Um, the value experience, is it positive or negative in dealing with my company? And if it's not, we need to figure out how to change that. Um, the value qualification. So how do we measure? It's becoming more and more important that as we go to market with our value proposition, that there's a way to measure the results, especially in the area of risk contracting. And then finally, what's the price? Because again, at the end of the day, they're looking at lowering the total cost of care, which includes patient management inside the hospital, post-acute care, and also the price of your product. So what's your contribution margin as it relates to the DRG that's being measured? All of those things you need to think of. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Don't let the conversation stop here. Connect with us on LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and reach out today to learn how your organization can succeed in today's marketplace.